We are pseudo post pandemic now. Not really, but <laughs> folks are getting vaccinated, which is really good. So get vaxxed up, people. It worked for some of the most deadly pandemics in the world's history. It's going to work for this one, but you just got to go out and do it. A couple little pinpricks, and you're good to go. So early on in the pandemic quarantine here, I started this side gig project. Um, of a YouTube channel thing called Tale from the Crypt. I thought it was good. It just took lots of work, lots of research. So the side gig got sidelined. The focus was basically to do a short video about some interesting characters that will forever dwell in all these cemeteries that I spend so much time in. Like I said, research got tedious, so it got sidelined. I mean, I'll probably bring it back at some point, but so goes life. Recently, though, in my off-air FPAN duties, as I mentioned in episodes of old, uh, I have been working alongside folks with the County Historical Commission on documenting historic African-American cemeteries here in Alachua County. It's a great project, probably the one, of, one of the most important and satisfying projects I've ever done in my archaeological career. Recently, however, while working closely with the living descendants of many of these interesting characters, I realized their story, the, the living community, who call those folks whose names are inscribed on so many headstones their ancestors, they are the story. The past is one thing, it's great, I'm an archaeologist, right? I think the past is the bee's knees. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but it is how the past connects to the present. That is the real hot ticket, the here and now, how the past impacts the lives of those living today and how to work with those past truths. And that is how we connect the dots. And that's how, in my humble opinion, we create real change. So for this season, we are going to be digging into those past truths in our broader culture, in the science of anthropology, and how these truths, which in so many instances were in fact lies, have altered the present. The whole Ebenezer Scrooge dealio, except in the here and now, but we'll talk about it. Anyways, so that's where you find me now in season three of the Materialists podcast. Welcome to the Materialist Podcast, Season 3. Welcome, listeners. My name is Nigel Rudolph. I am the Public Archaeology Coordinator with the Florida Public Archaeology Network Central Region. And I am here again recording from my Gainesville recording space slash office slash playroom apparently <laughs> um where is my co-host where is my co-host 
My co-host Becky O'Sullivan is no longer with FPAN. Uh, I think I've mentioned that in the past she started a new job. I'm hoping she'll be joining us from time to time when she's able. She has so much to offer on so many subjects. She's brilliant. And I would hate to deprive the world of this laugh. (laughs) (laughs) One more time. (laughs) We will be having other co-hosts as well this season, but it's me, kids. You'll be hearing from me. We'll bring on lots of guests and, uh, you know, I'll try to not talk your ears off. I think my recorded voice sounds like I'm gargling with rusty ball bearings. But anyways, we are back on the trolley after a very long hiatus. Very happy about that. So I hope you keep listening to episodes in the future. So the theme for this season, as we mentioned a couple of times before on past episodes, way before the break, is the archaeology of race. Well, what what does that mean? What does this all mean? How can we discuss a concept that is both a construct, a a social construct, not real, and also very, very real? It's going to be quite challenging, and we're going to try our best to dig into the subject. I think the key for me, anyway, in at least dipping my toes into this very deep, very complex, very murky pool is to start from my comfy place, which is cemeteries. I'll most likely be coming back to this topic throughout the season because I think it is so relevant and my FPAN work has been so closely connected to cemeteries lately. Recently, FPAN Central and West Central uh, began putting together a brief documentary video highlighting communities here in Alachua County whose community cemeteries have we have been working really closely with for the past couple of years. Our theme for the video is community-based history of Archer via African-American cemeteries. We hired a videographer, Imani Lee, out of Tampa to help us with this. His work is absolutely amazing, it's stellar, and I'll post links to his website and a brief video he did about a cemetery in Clearwater. Everything will be in the show notes, so check it out there, and I encourage you to check out Imani's work. Cemeteries are such a bounty of rich material to examine. They're loaded with information about the communities in which they are found, the socioeconomics of the time and the place, religious affiliation, on and on and on. They are windows into the past. I worked, and actually, this is crazy, I worked on a cemetery once here in Alachua County that was sitting on top of a pre-colonial Native American site. So, like a multi-contextual mega site of Florida history all wrapped up and fenced in all nicely and well this one turned out to be filled with ticks and snakes but that's a whole other story ladies and gentlemen but like so much of the racial history of the south cemeteries are also a window into the tragedies and the destructive nature of white supremacy and the successes of the civil rights movement. We're not only going to be talking about the tragedies and how to identify that via the material culture, we're also going to be looking into the success stories and how people have managed to overcome despite literally most things going against them. Cemeteries in their creation and sometimes in their abandonment speak to so much history of this country. You just have to take some time and do some digging.
trees and these trees to keep them from being sought out by that mob that was in uh, uh, Rosewood. I mean, I have family. My aunt was the principal of the school there, my great aunt, I'm sorry. And so without knowing those connections, then you don't know where your place is in history. And that's what's most important because you've said it so graciously. It's like once these things are gone or grown over, they're gone and lost forever. So that was Jerry Crawford from the St. Peter St. Paul Community Council Group. It's a small church-based community advocacy group that was initially put together to protest the development and construction of a massive solar power plant that would have impacted their historic African-American neighborhood around the Pinesville area, which is just north of Archer, a few miles. Imani Lee and I interviewed Jerry and several other members of the St. Paul Missionary Baptist Church congregation during a scheduled cemetery cleanup at St. Peter's Cemetery, which is directly across the street from the church. I included this portion of Jerry's interview because she really highlights why these cemeteries are so valuable and vital to protect. They are the connection, the cemeteries, the physical connection between the present and the past and a connection to the land itself. The history is in the soil of these sacred spaces. Several months ago, I assisted a local historian and taphophile, Karen Kirkman, who is the president of the historic Hale Homestead, and a genealogist, Tanya Peterson, with a presentation at a local church. The presentation was on doing genealogy research, you know, what websites to use, where to go, how to navigate these sites to try to get information about your ancestors. And the church that we spoke at was the home church of the St. Peter St. Paul Community Council outside of Archer here in Alachua County. A journalist was in attendance and an article was written and yours truly, me, was in the photo for the article. <laughs> I'll post the link to the article in the show notes if anyone is interested in laughing at my picture. The article is totally fine. Fine article. My picture is what's laughable. Anyways, several weeks following the article being published, I was contacted by Dr. Quincheku Ngozi. Please forgive me, Dr. Ngozi, if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Dr. Quincheku Ngozi is an artist, a scholar, author, and practitioner of traditional spirituality from West Coast of Africa. Her book, Theory of Mythology of the Spiritual Womb, Who is God, was published in 2020, is available at different spots all around the interwebs, and I'm sure you could reach out to her for a copy as well. Anywho, Dr. Ngozi is also working to document historic African-American cemeteries, but coming at the research and documentation from an artistic and spiritual perspective. So sort of the antithesis, the opposite of how I'm looking at these sacred spaces. So I thought her input would be extremely valuable to truly get a well-rounded perspective of doing this kind of work. She calls her project Illumination in Darkness. I had the wonderful opportunity to chat with Dr. Ngozi about her project, and here's the tape. Professional artist uh, over 43 years. Besides being a scholar, an author, and a mother, I'm a fully initiated in the West African um, ancestor, ancestry, Orisha and Ifa. 
um, practices from West Africa, which that ancestry is the foundation of their practice, you know. Uh, so that's the reason why that I'm very much interested in <laughs> Afri some African-American ceremonies, cemeteries, because uh, I, I feel like uh, the cemeteries are, are it's a community. It's, it's, it's like a community, you know, and those communities has been forgotten, abandoned, vanishing. I mean, leaving bodies and moving uh, tombstones <laughs> is vanishing, you know. A lot of this is also inspired what I'm doing today is from me doing art exhibits from Miami to Gainesville, Tom, the Thomas Center. One of them, I created uh, nine installations that dealt with uh, the, what they call the Ngungun Society in West Africa, which is an ancestry uh, society that deals with people, African-American or Africans that have died. And they try to have a, a continuous communication with them. They're not, they're not worshiping them. They're having a continuous uh, communication. You ever seen the movie called Coco? The, the animated movie? Yeah. Yes, Disney. yes. My daughter loves it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, that's the same thing. That, that is what West African uh, society, ancestral society does, is to have this uh, continuous communication with your ancestors. You know, you, you don't forget them. Uh, but through slavery, mm, that's a different story because now you got, like you said, racism, you got unappreciated. It seemed like nobody cares. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm hoping that uh, my project will bring about some type of awareness to um, people, other, you know, living, the living people, as well as, you know, policymakers. Because this project is something I've been wanting to do for the past 10 years. Wow. You know, right. Well, and I couldn't get anybody interest. So I just <laughs> says, fuck it. <laughs> I'm, on it. I'm on my own. <laughs> Forget well, it. You, uh, I, I looked at your, the website that has your artist statement and your, your images of your paintings. And I'm really, really interested in the African spirituality side of it and how you feel because it looks like you're emphasizing both the spirituality and the actual physical, the Florida physical environment. Like both of them have a role, like the, the environment itself is also a character in the story you're trying to tell. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Okay. Like um, my approach, like I said, my approach is I find art uh, approach, which you can't consider it as a holistic approach because I'm taking an alternative, you know, to do the same thing that maybe a historian or archaeologist would do, but I'm at it, I'm putting it in a more a visual narrative, mm -hmm. you know. It, it's, it's to identify, it's to reveal a, some type of relationship between the living and the dead, okay? Doing historical research, you know, the process, bringing together a cohesive uh, presentation that can be a finished product that can be shared to teach both young and old to have had the respect for African-American cemeteries as well as their, their, their journey, their life journey. So it's, it's putting a spin or something 
Mm. You, you can say, um, because I'm doing the same thing. The only thing I'm not digging up bodies, <laughs> but I am. <laughs> I I am identifying bodies. <laughs> you know, like oh, there was there's John buried over there. You know, and what what is what is it about his life that should be remembered? Because you know, I look at it one day myself or you or anybody else. We might be in our cemeteries. You know, and who's coming to remember us? Right. It's important. You know, what what have we done in our lives that that makes us important? And I think being born, period, is important, you know, and it should be remembered. It should be, you know, it should have it should have a stand, a stand stand in in history hmm. you know this person exists okay you don't remember that person but that person exists and it's important every human being is important we went on to talk about how the loss of these sacred spaces cemeteries is like removing vital ingredients of a community's history each person's life and experiences are an ingredient in this great bowl of soup. She says, it's, it's a brilliant analogy she gives about related to soup. And she also makes a really great one about beepers. Yes, kids out there listening. Before cell phones, there were, there were these things called beepers. You get a beep and then you have to go find a phone <laughs> and use it. Anyways, it's hilarious. And at West African um, ancestors beliefs is that, like they say, when the old woman dies, the library burns down. Meaning that if if people don't learn from the elders, okay, the knowledge goes with them. Right. And every generation um, picks up whatever uh, tool, have no idea. Like our kid, Mike, I have a son, he's eight. And he has no idea what a a beeper is. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but he can tell you about the cell phones and the and all the electronic gadgets that we have mm. today. So, but if me as the older woman don't explain these things or or have some type of um, relationship with them with it. When I die, that information goes it's with gone. me. It's gone. Yeah. It's gone. You know, it's just like um, there's a story that deals with uh, the soup, the Catalou soup. And the Catalou soup has all the, the first generation have all these vegetables and shrimp and, and all kind of stuff. But through generation, as the elders die, they take certain ingredients, knowledge, with them so by the time the fourth or fifth generation come along they have soup <laughs> Not just, just broth pure broth and there's no callaloo in it but they still call it callaloo soup so i just want to interject that we dug in a bit deeper about associated grave goods those little 
bits and bobs of objects that you find around headstones. And a lot of times, particularly in African-American cemeteries, you'll find shells of some sort. Uh, often in Jewish cemeteries, you'll find small stones left directly on top of headstones, basically showing that somebody has come to visit this person. Dr. Ngozi, again, links this back to a connection with West African spirituality. So one thing that I my focus is when I'm looking at cemeteries and one thing that I love teaching about is the the things, the little bits and pieces of material culture that the descendants or friends of the people that are buried there leave behind the the grave goods in the archaeological term, whelk shells, all kinds of different uh -huh. seashells. In your experience, can you speak to those little bits and pieces that are left behind? Well, like I, like I said, like in the West African um, ancestral um, practices, we try to have a continuous communication uh, with our ancestors, meaning that um, things that they might like, you know, hmm. uh, like Uncle Joe, he might he might was the person like in the islands, he was the one that blow the the conch shell. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they leave conch shells or or grandpa smoked a red redwood pipe. So they would leave pipes, you know, like a pipe there for them. Or things that that they use as tools. Right. You know, when they were living, you know, things that they like, like, okay, in, in the West African um, system, they have what they call ancestral tribes. Each individual person might have an ancestral shrine in their house. Um, and on those shrines, they might have a um, pair of glasses, you know, mm -hmm. uh, grandma need her glasses to read, but, you know, okay, grandma's dead, but you know, <laughs> she, might, she might, you know, she might need those glasses wherever she's at, you know, right. to, to read the daily news. Um, we try, they try to put things, like I said, that they needed in this, in the living life, they might want to, they might need them in the, the dead, the life during their, in, in their dead life, mm -hmm. you know, uh, to continue having that, that relationship um, with, with the, with the living. So, you know, or we put their favorite perfume, mm -hmm. cologne. Uh, pipe, cigarettes. Grandpa used to dip snuff, so he, they put a can of snuff there. You know, different things like that, or their favorite teddy bear, or their uh, old doll, or quit things that that they dealt with when they were living. Those are like, but you're like you're making this memory. You're you know you're 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 making a memory mm -hmm. uh, for them in the relationship with you. So you might find those things. I went to uh, one cemetery with a friend of mine and he's Jewish and he, he we're walking in. He said, oh, wait, 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 wait. We got to pick up a stone. Okay. So we pick up a stone. And he says, see, you got to take a stone and put it on the grave that you're going to visit because it's out of respect. It's out of, you know, so he, he taught me some things as well. Um, along and just like I have a friend that's working with me on my project she is uh, uh, anthropology that's up in Georgia she's dealing with the 
it's a project she's working on. And me and my kids actually painted some stones so they can put there at at the, the grave site. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, so, yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 it's like I said, it's making that memory is, you know, putting it there to have that continuous communication, you know, these little objects. So that was Dr. Quinchiku Ngozi. I will link to all her social media pages in the show notes. Please follow her Facebook page for her project, Illumination in Darkness. Um, let's show her some support. She's really doing some really fantastic work, and it would be great to get that message out there. So wrapping it up, friendos, let's think about our goals for this season. As I said from the get-go, one of our main goals for this season is to express the complexity of the topic from a cultural perspective. How ingrained is this concept of race in nearly every facet of our society? From food to real estate to implicit bias programmed in the facial recognition software. Oh, that's going to be loads of fun to talk about. From how early archaeology and anthropology quite purposefully, I might add, contributed to this rotten construct. We are going to look at the term racialization as seen through material culture. What is that, you ask? Well, sociologist Robert Miles says racialization is a process of, quote, assigning men and women, all genders really, to essential groups based upon physical appearance or some other readily identifiable characteristics that allow them to be perceived as biologically inferior or socially unequal, end quote. So this really means that people in power can use cultural elements, patterns of dress, language, dialect, religious belief, to assign whole groups of people to an inferior race, in addition to, or even exclusive of, their physical appearance. Nonetheless, much racial theory rests on physical characteristics that may be real or imagined. That's going to be on the table of discussion throughout this season. We will also dig into things like NAGPRA, the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act, things like this ridiculous myth of the mound builders, which is a really fascinating story. We'll look at how Native American and other archaeologists like Maggie Spivey Faulkner, who are kicking a hole in the status quo of archaeology by actually working with and for Native Americans regarding their cultural materials. What a what a crazy novel idea. We'll dig into African diaspora archaeology and so, so, so much more kids. All kinds of exciting adventures await listeners, so stay tuned to that radio dial. Dig it. So thanks, listeners, again for tuning in to episode one of season three of the Materialist Podcast. We hope to bring you lots more episodes coming up soon. I will try to make them as regular as possible, I promise. Um, we're going to have several guest hosts, I'm hoping, and maybe we'll bring Becky back for a couple of them. If you're listening, Becky, come on. Come on now. Come on now. You can find the Materialist Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and Spotify, on Instagram and Facebook, all the major podcast platforms. You'll find us there. Please like us and share, particularly on uh, Apple Podcasts. They like that stuff, and it would be great to get more social media interaction. 
Give us a shout if you uh, want to share some information with us. If you want to request a topic for me to discuss in the season three, um, you can reach me at my email at materialistpodcast at gmail.com. That's materialistpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to USF and the USF Department of Anthropology. Thank you, FPAN regions all over the state. If you'd like more info on FPAN, please go to fpan.us. Intro music, Silver in the Age of Opulence by Have Gun Will Travel is a wonderful song and a wonderful band. If you'd like more information on Have Gun Will Travel, please go to their Facebook at HGWT Music and on their website at HGWTMusic.com. Thank you to Dr. Quincheku Ngozi and thank you to Jerry Crawford for their contributions to this episode. If you'd like us to cover anything special, just let me know. Uh, lots of good info in the show notes on the episodes, lots of links, all the information that I've talked about. I'll try to put as much as I can into the show notes. Um, I don't think I left anything out. Stay tuned, kids. We'll catch you all on the flippity flip.